we need to start with asking, well, what would I like to be doing with my time? Like, what are those things that are meaningful and enjoyable to myself and the people I care about? And I find that a lot of people really haven't put much time into thinking about this because, you know, we're all busy. We all, you know, assume we have very limited free time. And so when time does open up, we tend to do whatever's right in front of us. Whereas if you think about it ahead of time, then you have a much bigger universe of options to choose from. Hi, I'm Deanna Robbins. And I'm Christy North. Welcome to Pieces of a Woman podcast, where we explore all the pieces that make up a woman, mind, body, and soul. By embracing all complexities of being a woman, our goal is to share real stories that inspire growth and empower all women to be the best versions of themselves. And as Maya Angelou so eloquently said, when we know better, we do better. Thank you for taking this journey with us. Well, today we are super excited to introduce Laura Vanderkam. She is the author of several time management and productivity books, including Juliet School of Possibility, Off the Clock, I Know How She Does It, and What Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast, which that seems like a really good book. Her work has appeared in publications, including the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, and Fortune. She is the host of the podcast Before Breakfast and the co-host with Sarah Hart Unger of the podcast Best of Both Worlds. She lives just outside of Philadelphia with her husband and five children and blogs at lauravandercam.com. Well, Laura, welcome. And we are so excited to dive into how we can all be, how we can all help on time management. We, our focus this year is a new UN 22. So tell us a little bit how you got started and thanks for being with us today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, I have always been fascinated by time, although, you know, I didn't grow up saying like, I want to be a time management expert. It's not nearly as exciting as being, say, an astronaut or something like that. (laughs) But I have always been interested in the topic and um, particularly when I became a parent for the first time, um, 14, almost 15 years ago now, I realized that I was going to need to start looking at time in a much more mindful way Um, as the responsibilities we have increase um, and as the possibilities we have increase, we need to be more mindful of where our time goes because we still get just 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a week. But I do find that by being mindful about where that time goes and asking what we'd like to do with our time and making sure that those important things happen, that we do in fact have enough time to you know, build amazing lives in, in the time that exists. So that's what I've been telling people for the past decade and a half and hope to keep doing so for a great many more years to come. So Laura, with that, what are the main five things that you want people to take when it comes to skills and strategies to be mindful of their time? What are maybe the top five areas that people can start embracing that? Yeah, well, one of the best things you can do is to actually try keeping track of your time. Um, I'm always suggesting that people try logging their time for a week. Um, I've actually been tracking my time since April of 2015, but nobody else needs to do that. Wow. Um, a bit of a bit of a time management freak. Uh, but but I, just by tracking a week here and there in your life, you can get a good sense of where the time is really going. 
And when you know where the time is really going, then you can ask yourself if that is how you want to be spending your time. But, you know, the funny thing is people often say to me things like, well, I'd like to spend my time better. But if you don't know where your time is going now, I mean, how, how do you even know if you're changing the right thing? Right. Like, I mean, it could be something you never even imagined is taking way more time than you thought, or maybe something you thought was a problem is just really not that bad in the, in the grand context of things. So I always suggest people try tracking their time. As a second thing, I try suggesting that people think about what they would like to spend more time doing in their lives. Uh, I think when it comes to time, we're often looking for various hacks to shave like 30 seconds off our commute or our cleaning ritual or, you know, make make your kids lunch in less time or whatever it is. But ultimately, you know, saving 30 seconds a minute here and there doesn't like on its own guarantee you a great life. I wish it did, but it does not. (laughs) So we need to start with asking, well, what would I like to be doing with my time? Like, what are those things that are meaningful and enjoyable to myself and the people I care about? And I find that a lot of people really haven't put much time into thinking about this because, you know, we're all busy. We all, you know, assume we have very limited free time. And so when time does open up, we tend to do whatever is right in front of us. Whereas if you think about it ahead of time, then you have a much bigger universe of options to choose from. Um, So make a good long list, like anything you want to spend more time doing in your life. Um, as, As a third strategy, I'm trying to keep to my five here. I'm, I'm, you're going to test me if I'm, I'm uh, if I can do the the five point speech on the fly. We will see if I can do this. Um, so my third point is to think about your weeks ahead of time. Um, so I love to have people think of their lives in terms of a week, which is 168 hours instead of 24. I'll talk more about that in our next bullet point. Um, but thinking about our week before we're actually in it can really make sure that we do spend more time on those things that we have identified as, as being things we want to spend more time on. So after you've made a long list of you know anything that you'd like to put more time into, um, think about the upcoming week um, before time is actually upon you. Think about where you would like to put a couple of these high priority items. Like what one thing in your career would you like to spend more time doing next week? Well, let's find a spot for that in, in the course of that 168 hours. Like what one thing would make a big difference in your relationships to spend more time doing next week? All right, let's find, you know, 30, 60 minutes next week for it. Can we do that? I hope so. Um, and then for ourselves too, you know, what what one thing could we do that would really move the needle forward on either our, you know, our spiritual health, our creative development, our, our physical health, anything along those lines. Uh, figure out a way to get that in over the next week. Um, so, so thinking through our weeks ahead of time is is really important. Um, I would also suggest people do look at the whole week. This is a great way to be more mindful of our time. So, so point four here uh, is to think in terms of 168 hours rather than 24, um, because most things don't actually have to happen daily. So, you know, we talked about like come up with the things you want to spend more time doing. People will say like, oh, I want to play the piano more or whatever your hobby happens to be. And then you can't do it every single day. And so we're like, oh, life is horrible, terrible. You know, I'm, I'm a failure. <laughs> but it doesn't have to happen every day. If you find some spots for it in the course of a week, you're probably good. Um, it also just helps to think about weeks instead of days because it shows us how much time we really have. I mean, you know, when we have a lot of responsibilities, it can be tempting to think those take all of our time, but they usually don't. With 168 hours in a week, if you work a 40-hour job, for instance, so a full-time job, 
and you sleep eight hours a night. So that is 56 hours per week. That's eight times seven. You've got 72 hours still to do other things, which is, which is quite a bit of time, right? So let's make sure we know where those 72 hours go and what we can do with them. And then finally, the last way that people can be more mindful of, of their time um, and really think about this is, is to even use small bits of time. Um, so it can be so easy to just let those five to 10 minute chunks of time sort of disappear into random email checks or social media scrolling. I mean, social media is so perfectly set up for those five to 10 minute chunks of time that it's hard to do anything else with, but you don't have to do that. Like there's plenty of other things you could be doing, um, in terms of hobbies, reading, um, calling friends and family, looking out the window, going outside, beautiful scenery. I don't know, all sorts of things you could do. But if you attempt to do some of those things instead of just mindlessly scrolling or checking email or puttering around, you'll you'll probably wind up spending time in entirely different ways. Well, Laura, I love that because you you the first step you said is is looking at looking at a I think you said looking at a week instead of 24 hours. Um, but what is it you want to do? Um, have you read the book Atomic Habits? I have. I have. Yes. Okay. Seems like something that would be right up your alley, but I love that because sometimes we make it so overwhelming, but if you just take a look at it and stop for a minute, it doesn't have to be a dramatic shift to start something, Um, but adding what you want to do, even if it's 30 minutes, I know so many people who say, oh, I've been on TikTok and next thing I know, 45 minutes have went by. And, but you make it, you make the approach sound so simple and doable. Like don't get overwhelmed by it. I think sometimes people get really overwhelmed, like, oh my gosh, I can't fit it in. And I have too much going on. You don't understand how busy I am. Um, And I get that because sometimes life just seems overwhelming, but I love your approach to that of, of fitting in even just something that you really enjoy and looking at it, looking at a week ahead. I love that. Yeah, it doesn't take much time um, to change our entire narrative. And, you know, if you can find 30 to 60 minutes a day for something that is truly enjoyable and meaningful for you, well, you know, it, you can't have that story anymore that I have absolutely no time whatsoever. Um, and And so partly it's about seeing that time, about making mindful choices with it. Because when we make mindless choices, it can be easy to convince ourselves that that time isn't there, right? And and because we don't notice it, we didn't do anything memorable with it. Whereas if you take, you know, 30 to 60 minutes in a day to like do a Lego project, um, you don't have to involve your kids, you could do it yourself, uh, or puzzle or, you know, go garden or read a book you really like after the kids go to bed. It's a little bit harder to maintain that narrative of having zero time. Well, and I've found with my own personal practice, if I can take an hour a week, I usually do it on Sundays. And I think you talk about, you know, maybe taking a Friday to really plan out your week. So, you know, for me, I find that I can be a little bit more intentional if I have looked at my calendar for the weeks. I I know what's coming versus reacting to things that are coming up. And so I can allow for that space. But, you know, you just touched on the social media piece. And so I wanted to ask you in the last few years, since you started this work, that has to have been a big shift from people to be maybe communicating to you. They're wasting so much time with the social media piece. And how do they you know, work through that and, and removing that, or at least reducing that so that they have more time in the day. Has that well, been a shift for you as you've been doing this work? It's interesting because, I, I mean, the 
absolute amount of time has not changed at all, right? I mean, right. everyone still has 24 <laughs> hours in a day. Um, it is, you know, it cannot be changed. Like that, that is a hard line. And so when stuff shifts out of one category, it's, um, or one category becomes bigger for one reason or another, it just shifts out of some other time. And this has been interesting to watch in society as a whole, for instance. Um, one of the things that originally drew me to the subject of time was to see these large scale social shifts. Um, you know, there's a certain narrative that as women, for instance, entered the workforce, it must be because they are, I don't know, neglecting their children. So clearly, you know, the time spent at work must be time that is taken away from the category of interacting with kids. And it turns out that that is not the case at all. Um, that in fact, it was housework that declined almost hour per hour on a society-wide basis um, as women, as the number of hours that the average woman worked for pay increased. Um, it was housework that went down. There's also some other things. Time with other adults went down, but time with kids did not. Like, so that is a fascinating, um, you know, because people misunderstand like what time looks like. Like people don't look at time diaries of this. So anyway, all this is to say that if social media categories go up, something else must be going down. And so the question is, what is that something else? And I, sometimes people would like to pretend that before like 2007, everyone was spending their time in noble and wonderful ways. That is not true. Um, <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was, it was wasted on something else, right? Like I, I, I am reminded of this every time I um, look through um, the, the book, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People which came out in 1990. And he talks a lot about people spend a lot of time on things that are urgent, but not important. You know, I've been pondering like 1990, what were those things that were urgent, but not important? You know, people must've been like reading through all their junk faxes carefully or something else. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but we have always, always, always managed to waste time. So what, what winds up happening is, you know, people are like, oh, People are spending two hours a day on social media. Well, what that comes at the excuse at the expense of tends to be other screen time, for instance, right? Like watching network TV, right? Like there's a lot of people very concerned about their business model over in network TV because of that. And of course, that's why they are on places like YouTube showing their videos there to get the, the same, you know, time. It's just taken in a different way. Um, or as different services come on, you know, people who might have been on Facebook for 40 minutes are now on Facebook for 30 and Snapchat for 10 or something like that. Um, so it, it doesn't tend to be that people are, you know, deciding to stop work or stop going to school or stop seeing their families or stop sleeping. It's just that more of leisure time tends to get absorbed by um, you know, these, these screen time sorts of things. Discover adventure, discover luxury, discover Moab with exclusive retreats for your next vacation or event. Wake up to amazing views only minutes from Utah's most breathtaking national and state parks and Moab's best shopping and dining. Enjoy your fully stocked vacation home with private pool and hot tub. Every room is a luxurious private suite, plus daily maid service and private chefs are available. Exclusive retreats. We're not your home away from home. We are better. Book today at exclusiveretreats.com. 
I Laura, that me kind of goes into my next question with you've been doing this work for quite some time. How have things shifted with COVID? We're now we're now two years in. Um, we've been dealing with a lot of has a lot of different things emotionally, socially. How has your message changed or has it as far as time management goes? Well, I don't think it really has all that much because, uh, again, we still have the same 24 hours a day. We still have to decide what to do with them. And I think, you know, at this point, there's an interesting mix because a lot of people are pretty much living their lives as they were um, with just the one difference that a far higher percentage of people who have knowledge based work, you know, office type jobs have incorporated some element of working from home into their schedules. Um, Pre-March 2020, the proportion of Americans who had ever worked from home was about, you know, 30%, a third, roughly. And by the beginning of April of 2020, that was up to like 60%. I mean, it literally had doubled in the course of a month. And some of those people are back full-time in the office, but many are not. And and so that has been a shift. Um, The adoption, the widespread adoption of remote work um, as not just a perk for people on Fridays, if you have been with the organization five years, um, but something that is accepted as as more of a standard mode of of working. Um, But curiously enough, there has been some study of this. So the American Time Use Survey, which is done every year by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, they, um, you know, had people talk through how they spent the previous 24 hours. They do this over every day of the year, although they didn't from about March to May of um, 2020, but they did from about May to the rest of the year. And so they could compare 2019 and 2020. And one of the key differences is people did spend less time in the car. Um, In the population-wide average, like about 26 fewer minutes in the car. And if you think about that as averaged over all different graphics, millions of people, like that's a big social shift that we're spending half an hour less per day in the car. My guess is that's probably come back up um, since since 2020, now that a lot of things are back um, available. But what's also interesting to me is what we did with that time. Like, you know, the number of people who said things like, oh, I would exercise if only I weren't spending so much time in the car. Oh, the books I would read if only I weren't spending so much time in the car. Pretty much what absorbed that was extra screen time. So it turns out that when people spend less time in the car, they do not do wonderful and amazing things with that time. They just watch something else. (laughs) Yeah. I'm amazed at so many. I mean, we have so many friends that feel like they're far more productive being able to work from home and not spend the time commuting and they feel like they get, but then they're, they feel like they're getting more done, but also they're having a more challenge to turn it off. So they find they'll work later or, um, so I find that fascinating. And some people have just really learned, I need to be in the office or I need to be at the job. I'm far more productive than being at home. So it's kind of been an interesting shift for all of us. Yeah, no, people have had to figure out new ways of working and figuring, but the idea that they have the opportunity to figure out how they work best is is actually pretty cool. Um, I think there were a lot of people who would have preferred some sort of hybrid schedule in the past and had to drive into the office every single day because for whatever reason, people, oh, that would never work for us working from home. Interesting. Never work for us. Well, turns out it will. <laughs> so, well, yeah. And- I really love that when we were going through the five strategies, um, thinking back to really dissecting your day or your week 
And I'm, I'm sure most of us would be surprised um, if we actually put that to paper and wrote out what we're doing and how much time we're spending on it, I think would be a big eye opener because as you were just saying, Deanna, people think that they're more productive than they were, but the reality is probably if you put it to paper, you might see where you're wasting some time. Yeah. You could open up opportunities to do the things that you love, spend more time with family, making those phone calls, like you said, Laura, to your parents, whatever that looks like. And so tell us, do you work with clients directly on this where you're, are you coaching women or people that not usually i okay. mean i i look at people's time logs um i often have people keep time logs as part of various projects i do and i like to see those um like for my own research um i don't do direct coaching now okay so as you're looking at time logs where is it that you're able to coach or give the message that okay this is what these are the steps that i can see that you can do to maybe make yourself a little bit more efficient or open up your schedule more what are you seeing when you're reviewing those well, one interesting thing I look for is whether people go to bed and wake up at, you know, pretty set times okay. in the course of the week. Um, because that's actually one of the first ways you can start to be more mindful about your schedule is recognizing that a day has a beginning and a day has an end. And theoretically, it should probably be about the same amount of time each day that the day contains, um, because that's how we tend to sleep better is instead of, you know, getting six hours of sleep one night and 10 hours the next and six the next and 10 the next, like, well, just get eight every night. <laughs> it's just going to wind up being better for you, better for your schedule. Um, and, and so, you know, since many people do have to wake up at relatively set times in the morning um, for their responsibilities, that means giving yourself a bedtime. Um, the night before and having an end to the day, um, acknowledging what can fit in the day and what cannot. Um, so that's something I, I look for and I encourage people to try doing. Um, I'm definitely always looking for, you know, putting little adventures into life. I, I think it can be very easy to spend all our time on work or family things um, and then fill the weekends with chores, errands, screen time, right? Okay. The, the, the three things that uh, tend to fill non-family care times of the weekend. And it makes sense. Like people are tired. They don't want to think about it necessarily. But putting something else into your weekend, like vastly increases the chance that you get to Monday and say, hey, we, we did cool things. Like I, ha I, had, I had a weekend <laughs> as opposed to like I had hours of mixed TV and chores, <laughs> which is a lot less exciting. Um, so I look for something like that. I often, you know, I am always on a campaign to tell busy people that they need hobbies. Um, you need something that is not your work and is not your family, but is just for you, that you do just for fun. And I give particular gold stars to people who do this as some sort of commitment. Like it can be one thing to say, oh, well, I read. Like, great. I'm glad you read. Or, you know, I like to do yoga videos. Like, again, I'm glad you do yoga videos, but those can kind of happen whenever. And so it's easier not to do them sometimes when life gets busy. Whereas if you play in a string quartet that practices every Tuesday night at 7 p.m., like you gotta be there. If you're not there, it's a string trio. That's not what they wanna be. So you're gonna be there at seven o'clock on every Tuesday night. And because it is a commitment, it happens. Like it happens even when life is busy. It happens even when it might be easier for your family not to do it because they just need to learn that, you know, mom has her thing too, right? 
kids have their activities. Mom has her activity. It's all good. We all do our own things. Um, so I, I am particularly excited when I see that on a time log. And when I don't see it, um, I often encourage people to think about whether they could make it work. There's often a lot of resistance to the idea. Um, but I maintain that a lot of people, even people with families and full-time jobs, could in fact do something once a week that is just for you, just for an hour or two, um, but it would be a lot of fun. Well, I am glad you said that. I, I've always been a really big believer of we will make time for what is important to us. Um, and it's not selfish, but for the people in our lives or for whatever, I mean, as busy as you are, I mean, five children, that's really busy. Christy, <laughs> Christy's had a busy, we, we were talking before you got on of, I don't know how we did it when we were raising our kids and working and, you know, you just do it. You're so busy, but we, oh, I will say I've always made time for things that I felt were really important to me whether that is reading, uh, exercise, spending time with friends. Um, and I believe that to be true still to this day. And I have more available time now that my kids are grown. And, um, but it, and I often remind myself, I will make time if it's really that important to me. So, yeah, I, I think that's great seeing that. And I just wanted to share, so your podcast before breakfast what I love about it is it's snippets. It's a quick listen to different topics. Tell us a little bit more about that. What is your, your main focus? I mean, I, I, I would tell everybody, go, go follow your podcast before breakfast. I think it's great, but a lot of your topics, tell us a little more about that. Yeah. So before breakfast is an every weekday morning podcast. It is very short. It's, you know, about five minutes each time. So just a bite-sized bit of advice that can help you take your day from great to awesome. Um, and so my goal is always to have something that is practical that you could try implementing today, if not today, sometime this week. Um, that's, that's kind of the farthest out time horizon I'm looking. I want you to be able to do this now. And you know, it's, it's been going for 750 episodes now, roughly. So since 2019, five days a week, uh, we do reruns on weekends, <laughs> but you can, uh, you can just, you know, go look it up. And like I said, it's not much of a commitment. So five minutes, you can just, you know, listen to it while you're making your coffee in the morning, listen to it while you're putting on your makeup. Um, people tell me they, you know, listen to it while they're walking back from the bus stop with their kid. Like it, it's just a very short amount of time. Um, but hopefully it will be something to inspire you and think about, and maybe you'll be able to change something in the course of the day. Well, I think it's perfect. And, you know, coming from a busy person myself um, with a full-time job, raising six kids and thinking about what you said with just making a commitment for one thing for yourself a week, I think we probably, again, would be surprised at how much we leave that out of our personal best interest. And so if our listeners could just take away today to at least as they're looking at their schedules, being mindful, tracking it. If you, if you feel like there's just not enough hours in the day and you feel like you're just kind of going with the flow, maybe take some time to log what your day or your week looks like. Input one time a week, something that you can give to yourself, some time that you can put towards something that you enjoy. Then I think um, our lives, the new you in 22, our lives will be just that much better. Yeah, I love that. Okay. Well, so Laura, where can our listeners find you? 
Uh, yeah, well, you can come visit my website, which is lauravandercam.com. That's just my name. Um, I am kind of old school. I blog three to four times a week, um, you know, like it's 2005 here. <laughs> I still like doing it. Um, you know, and, and there you can find out information about my various podcasts before breakfast and best of both worlds and about any of my books, if you would like to check them out. Oh, I love that. Okay. We can't let you go without, we ask a question of all our listeners. And, uh, the question is, what would you tell your 20 year old self if you could tell her something today? Well, I think, you know, as I look back, um, I definitely was absorbing this sort of message that, you know, big careers and big families might not be compatible. Like there's certainly a lot of, you know, literature about that. Um, you know, I think it was right around the time that I was 20 years old that the whole opt out revolution article and such came out, um, which, you know, Lisa Belkin has since become a friend, but it was a very, you know, influential sort of piece that came out then. And, you know, look at it and say, wow, is that really true? Is that what it's going to be like? But, you know, no, it doesn't have to be. We can all make our own choices in life. And I'm really thrilled that I've been able to write my books and have my babies and um, really enjoy uh, having a full but entirely doable life. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, I might have also told myself in the midst of all my uh, romantic uh, angst on various folks <laughs> from that age <laughs> that I'd like meet my husband in a few years. So just chill. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That is wonderful. That's perfect. Well, thank you, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think someone could benefit, please share. If there's a conversation you think we should be having or a topic that resonated with you, please let us know. You can engage and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pieces of a Woman Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. If you listen to us on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and a comment.